You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Let me read the text here, and then we'll, we'll dive into this. John 19, John's the one that gives us this. He says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Father, we love you, and we ask that you would help us, Lord, to understand what it means when Jesus said it is finished, but also, God, that we could learn from him, learn our race and what you've called us to do. We pray in Jesus' name that you would help us and learn from Jesus. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, in this, I think there's a couple things that I want to point out. And the first is, I think we really want to just talk about that Jesus, he knew his purpose. He knew why he had come. And the intriguing thing is that Jesus' purpose was you. Like there's a lot of things that he fulfilled, but Jesus had on his mind you. And so he did know his purpose and then you were his purpose. And and then I want us just to not only celebrate what he did for us on the cross, but I want us to look at us using his example and us coming to the end of our race, us coming to the end for us and having known what our purpose is and be able to stand and say, I finished my race as well. So we've been taking as our theme verse, Hebrews 12, and I want us just to read it because this has been the theme for the whole series. And it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw up everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. There it is, everybody say persevere. Perseverance, the race marked out for us. And here it is, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then the NIV says, consider him, or the message says, study how he did it. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And my prayer is that you would not grow weary and not lose heart, that I would not grow weary and lose heart, but that we would persevere. And so when we look at Jesus saying, I am finished, this is a victorious statement. This is a victory cry. This is a moment, a cry from the cross where he has completed what he came to do and he comes to the conclusion and he says, it is finished. And it's, it's not a whimpering moment, it is finished. It's a victorious, mm, did it, got her done, yes. It is done, it is complete, it is accomplished, it's done. And so though we could never in our own personal lives come close to completing anything close to Jesus, I still want you to imagine in your own life so that you can connect with the emotion of it. What is something where you worked diligently? It seemed, it seemed like a difficult task. And on the backside of it, after you completed it, you had a victorious feeling, sense of accomplishment. I want you to imagine that because that's what's going on with Jesus. He came and he fulfilled all the prophecies and Jesus walked without sin in perfection. And really it would be hundreds of things to list in terms of what he finished. But the macro idea is he finished. And at the end he says, it's done, it's accomplished. One illustration in my own life that pales in comparison, but it was a moment where I felt some victory, felt some excitement was, When Renata and I felt like the Lord called us to plant Radiant Church, it seemed exciting in a whole lot of ways, except for 
oh man, we got to go raise some money to buy some curtains and some trailers and some trucks. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. You know, like, that's not me. And I remember looking at how much money it would cost to start a church. And it just seemed insurmountable. It seemed crazy. It seemed like so much. And then we began to plan and started to pray and ask God and believe and just began financially, you know, all that Renata and I could throw in and just talk to everybody we knew, you know, like, what's up? You want to help us? And, uh, you know, one of those people for a season. And then, and then we watched God do something miraculous where, where the Lord just started to provide. And, and after all the faith and all the work and all the process of making magazines and videos and websites and sitting at hundreds of cafes and sharing the dream over and over again. And all of it started to come together. And I'll never forget the moment where I was, I was actually at a hotel in Houston and I got the message, hey, we're going to give this much. And it put us just over the top of what our vision was to accomplish it. And I was so excited. I left my room, walked through the lobby into the street. It was dark and I yelled and danced by myself in the street. (laughs) True story. Like I was filled with such excitement and gratitude and victory. It was like this. Yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, I was, I was dancing like old school, like, like Dick Van Dyke on Mary Poppins clicking my heels type. Like just, I mean, I was, I, mean, I was just, bam, I was like, mm, this, yeah, there it is. Like, yeah, let's go. Like, like, woo, victory. It was, it was alive in me. It was, and I just want you to imagine in your own life, like, okay, what's the victory? Like, like something, because we, we cannot, we cannot begin to exaggerate what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It's so big. It's so massive. And, and I want, I want you today to feel it like, To my sadness, sometimes when we talk about the cross, for those of you who've grown up in church, it becomes so familiar that we lose sight of the victory. We lose sight of what Jesus accomplished. And so I just want to tug at your heart a little bit and have you connect with what Jesus did, like what was going on in his life and, and how Jesus victoriously there on the cross says it is finished. And I think when we read the Gospels, we, I'm fully persuaded that it was this loud statement. It is finished. In part, most scholars believe this because maybe even when he said, I am thirsty, he was getting ready for that last gasp where he says, it's finished. He's coming towards the end. And Matthew adds, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, and he gave up his spirit. So Matthew adds that at the very end, there's this loud voice. Mark adds to it. He says in Mark 15, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And of course, John gives us what he says. He says, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It comes to the end. This, this, this phrase, it is finished. In English, we have three words. In Greek, it was one word. And it's just this conclusion. So obviously we're English speakers, so it wouldn't make sense for us to think of it in any other way. But if you kind of try to picture the simplicity of a one-word statement at the conclusion, and Jesus yells out, it's, it's, it's the word tetelestai. And tetelestai was a common word. And it was a word that was used when something was finished, when it was complete, when it was done. And so a servant 
after they finished the work that they were supposed to do for their master would say, to tell us die. Or a judge after giving justice, and he would say, to tell us die. Justice has been served. It's done. A business person after paying something in full, after some kind of, some kind of payment was finished, to tell us die. An artist after completing some kind of painting or sculpture, looking at it, completed, accomplished, finished, to tell us die. And Jesus says this one phrase, to tell us die. It's this statement. And there's so much that I want to unpack this morning in this because it was one of those times where you go to study this and it goes in seven different directions and there's just so much content. But I, I want you to catch one element is just the simplicity that at the conclusion of his life, Jesus so knew what he came to accomplish that he could say to Telestai. He could say, it is finished. He could say, it is done. He could proclaim, I did what I came to do. And we live in a culture where often we don't know why we're here. Like we're just, we, 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 I don't know what I, am I here to put some pictures on a hard drive and am I here to make money? Am I here to live? So, but Jesus actually knew it. Like he had it in, so that at the conclusion of his life, Paul says it, I finished my race, kept the faith. But Jesus has this phrase, it is finished. And I, I, my dream is for there to be a couple things that go deep in your heart today. But one of them is I just want you to ask that question in your own life so that you can persevere. It's hard to persevere when you don't know why you're persevering. When it's just kind of happenstance, like, hey, I'm just going to breathe some oxygen and hang out in life a little bit. Versus I am on a mission. God has given me a purpose. And Jesus knew it. Jesus said it. And when we look at his life, we can see moments where he was willingly choosing to forego things that people made other people nervous because he was so locked in on fulfilling what the father called him to do. And it's, it's through, the, through the scriptures. Let me give you a couple moments where there's, there's lots of these. I'm going to give you some of them that I just want to highlight a few that stuck out to me. Jesus says his purpose in Luke 19. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Purpose. I got, I got purpose. I, I know why I'm here. Mark 10, he says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And then he says, and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right. So Jesus knows his purpose. And here's where this message takes a little turn. And his purpose is that we might know God. I mean, it's kind of amazing when you think that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. So God had a purpose in sending his son. Jesus had a purpose in going to the cross. And he went to the cross so that you could have new life. And I just want to marinate for a couple minutes on this because this, this is our testimony. This is what has changed our life. This is the thing that we should not be on mute about. And sometimes we're quiet about it because of insecurity, because of the culture, because of familiarity. But what would happen if the simple gospel of what Jesus did in your life became a part of what you talk about, became a part of what's living inside of you? Because on the cross... Because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, he defeated sin and death. He defeated. So here's your story. My story 
your story. I have new life. I have eternal life because of Jesus. That's why you chose to be baptized. It was a physical demonstration of the inward activity of God at work in your life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then he says, and I have come that they may have life. Mission statement, they may have life and life to the full, not just, I mean, the fullness. I want them to have what? Eternal life. Paul sums it up this way. You know it well. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's what I'm hitting on. Jesus knew his purpose. His purpose is you. He verbalizes what his purpose is. And I want you just to marinate in gladness toward Jesus for what he did for you. I just want you to feel it today. As we say, it is finished. I want, you to, I want it to come alive. Because I think a lot of times when we hear that for the wages of sin is death, it's, it's, just, it's, almost, it's almost like theological. It's almost like something that we just kind of memorized. I want, I want you to connect it to your life. The payoff of sin, the result of sin, what you receive from sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. So here's your story. I was dead, dead, dead in sin. Dead, dead, eternally dead. I have no hope. Eternally separated from God. That's a dark testimony, right? Jesus comes for God so loved the world and Jesus fulfills his mission. He walks in the fullness of his purpose, which is that you might have relationship with God. And then your story switches, transitions. You say yes to Jesus. And because of that transaction, that life, that Laying down his life, your story is no longer dead, dead, dead. Your story now is eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. And so here's what we do a lot. We often think, okay, I want to get better. I'm, a, I, I, I'm bad. I need, to, I need to be better. So then we identify church attendance, hanging out with people because I want to better my life. I want to be better. But the gospel is not that you're going from bad to good. The gospel is this simple story. I'm going from dead to alive. I once was lost, but now I am found. Jesus saved me. And so one of the things that I found in working with young people is that so often when you ask them to tell their story or their, in church, testimony, (laughs) is they'll say, I don't really have a great testimony. I don't really have anything to say. No, share your story. I don't have that great of a story. And here's what they mean by that. I, I, I really wasn't that bad of a person, so I don't really have that cool of a story to tell because, I mean, I'm, I'm saved now, but I'm, it's not that dramatic. Because what, what they would often mean was, oh, but my friend, I mean, he was on drugs and punched the teacher and was, I mean, he was bad, bad, bad. And now he is preaching on cafeteria tables and he is woo on fire, right? And that would be a good testimony. And here's the problem with that. 
our story is not bad to good. Our story is dead to alive. And if your story is dead to alive, I don't care what, how it plays out. It's actually pretty small when you think of eternity. When you think of eternity, whatever the successes are, whatever the good things that you do or the fruit from knowing Jesus, they're all, they're all great, but it's pretty small compared to who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you, right? So the testimony is, <laughs> I'm alive. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I, I, what's your story? Oh, I was dead, I was, but, but now I'm alive. Yeah, 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 but, but what's your story? I told you, I was dead eternally, but now because of Jesus, I'm eternally alive. And that testimony is what moves people because it's God's activity inside of you. And I, I remember a friend of mine who kept talking to me about coming to church with me as a way of, of being better. And I just wanna say, listen, this is the fellowship of people who have been transformed by Jesus. This is not just checklist to be good. This is, I've got a story. His name is Jesus. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Really, what's your story? I'm alive. Really? Yeah, forever and ever. Actually, I've got good news. I will not ever die. I will be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. That's a good gospel. And I'm just saying Man, when Jesus comes to earth and he's got a purpose and you are the beneficiary of that, he saves you. Well, you, we wanna not only be glad for his purpose, he knew his purpose and learned from it, but I wanna pause and just celebrate what he did. I wanna just celebrate the finished work of Jesus on the cross and your story, what he's got for you. And Jesus, he, he came and he gave you access to God forever, forever and ever, like to the degree that you want to pursue the most glorious relationship in history, you get to pursue it because on the cross, Jesus prepared a way. And my hope is that the idea of the access that Jesus gives to you would be not a little piece of your life, not a little spiritual component of your existence, but an all-consuming thrill. He, he is the one who opened the way, Jesus, that I might have relationship with God all my days. In John 1, John the Baptist sees Jesus and says, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Here's Jesus. He's beginning his mission. And he is, he is the lamb. When we look at the cross, what he's doing on the cross is he is dying in your place for your sin. And so God had a covenant with his people. And the way in the Old Testament that we read about is that in this temple system, they would take a lamb and they would kill the lamb, a spotless lamb. Every year they'd come kill the lamb. And it was this way of saying, hey, we're, we're gonna be in right standing with God. And you had this lamb that represented it in the temple. And, and Jesus, when Jesus comes, all in th this system, everybody knows the lamb, knows how it works. And Jesus comes and Jesus at Passover in Jerusalem, which 
Passover was celebrating way back in Egypt when God's people were slaves. And God came to set them free. The angel of death comes over, and if there was the blood of the lamb over the doorposts, then the angel would pass over. And so the great story of the cross is here in Jerusalem during Passover, just outside the city. There's a lamb who is spotless, who goes to a cross and creates a way that you might have access, relationship with God forever and ever. And moments later, there's the tearing of this curtain that was the, in the temple. In the temple, the Holy of Holies was the place where the high priest would go and only he could go and this curtain was the barrier. And when Jesus goes to the cross and dies, that curtain is torn from top to bottom supernaturally, and it's this statement. You have access to the Holy of Holies, whoever you are, no matter how broken, messed up, whatever decisions you've made, you get relationship, access. You can know, the way we say it around here, you can know God. You can walk with God. You can be in right standing with God. You can have relationship with God. And my prayer is that that's just not some kind of passive thing in our hearts, but that it's destiny changing, that it's something that we talk about. Whatever we love, we tend to talk about. Whatever has changed us, we love to talk about. But these words were destiny changing words. It's actually one word, to telestai is finished. Access granted. If you say yes and choose the finished work of Jesus on the cross available to you. Like for example, when I, when I married Renata, right? And she said, I do. Mm, destiny changing right there for me, right? Good day, right? When, she, when we had Dawson, hey, baby boy. Mm, destiny changing day for me. Olivia, baby girl, destiny changing day. Adeline, Baby girl, destiny changing, justice, whoo, this just keeps going. Baby boy, destiny changing day, right? We're gonna move to Kansas City, start a church, destiny changing, but those are small compared to it is finished. For eternity, I have relationship with God. Like, man, not not a song I sang when I was a kid. Not trying to be a good person. No, I was dead. I had no hope for eternity. And Jesus came. And Jesus paid it all. And Jesus gives access. And Jesus finished his work. And you know what he did on the cross? For He died for me. He died for you. And that story is not a cute little religious idea so that we can be good people. It's destiny changing that we have eternal relationship with the creator. What's your story? I was dead. 
and now I'm alive. That's your story. That's what's alive. And Jesus had it even when he was young. Like you can read about, you read his story. Luke chapter two, he shows up. He's 12 years old, 12. And his parents are freaking out. Where is he? Well, he's in the temple. And when they say, what are you doing? 12-year-old response back at mom and dad. Did you not know I'd be about my father's business? That's a tough 12-year-old. What? Purpose. I am on a mission. I have, my father sent me. I'm gonna give my life as a ransom for many. I came to seek and save the lost. I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I've got a mission. I've got a purpose. And I'm telling you, we can look at Jesus' example, even in this idea of purpose and have our hearts come alive. Ah, I mean, imagine if we had 12-year-olds <laughs> had purpose. Wait a minute. It's not just to endure puberty and try not to do bad things in your teen years. No, no, I might be 12, but I got a vision. I got mission. I got purpose. I know why the father has called me here. And I am not saying that we have the revelation like Jesus, but we can take some hints. He is forever the one with more purpose than any of us, but we can learn from his example. Jesus at 12, he knows. We see it in his ministry. John chapter four. Conversation with a Samaritan woman. The disciples are upset at him. Hey, are you hungry? What'd you eat? Do you need something to eat? What's the story? And Jesus looks back at him. He's got that same tenacity. My food is to do the will of my father, to finish the work. He uses that language, finish. Again, that's why I'm here. John 17, it's called the high priestly prayer. It's Jesus just before the cross where he looks at his father and he says, Father, glorify me, the glory I had from the beginning. I have finished the work you gave me to do, to finish. Let me have the glory I had before I came here. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I want to finish the work. He's praying to the Father. He's got it. And then he stands at the end. Days later, we read about it in John 19. And he says, it is finished. Man, he had purpose. His purpose was you. Here's what I'm dreaming God will do in your heart. God, first you go, thank you for the cross. Thank you that Jesus died in my place for my sin, that he is the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Thank you that he is my high priest. I get eternal access to God forever. Thank you for the cross and thank you for his example. I want my life to have purpose beyond me, that my life might, the way we say it around here, make a difference, that other people would see Jesus, would know Jesus. And that's my prayer for us. My prayer is that you would finish and then in finishing, persevere, fulfill what God has you to. I'll just close with this. It's a famous story of 1968 marathon in Mexico City. Where one of the runners fell, dislocated his knee, damaged his shoulder. And instead of quitting the race, he kept going. He was representing his country, Tanzania. 
And the fun part of the story is that after he came into the stadium, most of the crowds had dissipated and it was dark. And it was long after the race was completed for the other runners. He came hobbling across the finish line. And when asked, why did you finish? Why, did, why didn't you just stop? You're in such pain. And he just said this great response that he said, you know, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start a race, but to finish a race. And my prayer for us is that, man, the story of Jesus on the cross wouldn't just be a subcategory in the back of your brain that you memorized 20 years ago, but it would be up front right here. Jesus, you saved me. Jesus, I've gone from, I was, you came for me. You died for me. It's fresh. And you've got something for me. I've got a race to run. And I want to finish. And if you don't, if you don't, if you, if you don't know it, it's hard to finish a race. You don't, you don't know what you're running for. My prayer is a, a church where we know, like, we go, yeah, here, here's where I come alive. And you know it. I had a dentist come up to me in between services. He said, hey, I know mine. I want to I wanna help people around the world, across the globe that might not have access. I want to help them with their teeth. He said, that's what I want to do. Boom. The reason I say that is it's, it's what, the way God's wired you. He's wired all of us differently. And my prayer is that you would just be able to say it. Like you just get it. Like Jesus has these moments where he says, I came to seek and save the lost. You'd have these moments. Jesus, you saved me. Now, what's... What's the work you have for me? What's the race you've called me to do? If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radiant Church, please click Give on our website, radiantchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radiant Church? Check out radiantintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.